All right, I'm just testing to make sure that my microphone's on because I recorded a whole this whole podcast with Tebow and my microphone wasn't on and I was recording off my laptop. But luckily, I had a backup uh, on my Roadcaster Pro and I was able to do that. So even after 255 episodes, I still make mistakes. But we had some silly season news news drop today that has got the RC world burning up. I had a good chat with Tebow about 10 scale, his 10 scale worlds and all that good stuff. This is episode 255. I say, let's just stop all the jibber-jabbering. Let's get right into all the meat and potatoes of this podcast and drop that intro. As you can see, I'm looking for it. There we go. Nitro is the glory, but E-Buggy pays the bills. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast. Get ready for some serious bench racing. But be warned, we speak our minds, express our thoughts, and sometimes things can get a little rowdy. Hate, and he just was influenced by the hate coming from the left, the hate coming from the right. And let's get back to more club racing and less of this it's hard not to be arrogant when you're always right. You know? See what I mean? That's exactly why people call you arrogant, Max. You may not agree with everything we say, but it's definitely worth a listen. And our pick, can you stop whatever you're doing? Join your host, Leslie the Great, with co-hosts and guests as they get together <laughs> to chat our city. Hey, after that race that I watched this morning, I have to talk about it. Hundred bucks right here, hundred dollars throw. Oh no! <laughs> I like this. Yes, indeed. Nitro is the glory, but e buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number two fifty five of the No Name RC podcast. I'm your host, Heena White, a.k.a. Left of the Great, and this is podcast number three of the week. Uh, I will be traveling next week to the H2 Grand Prix, as well as the Georgia Pizza Classic, so I will not have time to drop a podcast. So I, I asked Tebow to come on. We're going to talk about a little about 10 scale worlds. Obviously, you know, the big news is David Ronafalk and Mallorca Sweet and Race. I'm going to talk about that. But before I do that, I have to say thank you. Thank you to all of the NNRC squad around the world. We cannot do this without you guys. My Facebook's blown up. My message's blown up. I had to put my phone on Do Not Disturb so I can record this. So I'm not answering you it's because I'm recording this. And I got so many messages, obviously, as I knew I would. I was kind of anticipating this this morning. Also, uh, thank you to all of the NNRC patrons and YouTube members. I know we're having a having a slight little issue with the Patreon right now. Uh, uh, it's still there, and I can I just can't make posts to it right now. So that's why uh, you guys didn't get an early release of this. I apologize for that. Uh, trying to work, trying to message to Patreon and get that all sorted out. But I do appreciate the support of that. Also, the YouTube members, as you guys might get it, we'll see. Uh, also, thank you to these awesome companies that support the podcast. We can't do it without them. They are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Sun Pedal USA, Sidewinder Fuel, Hot Race Tires, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Lugs Racing Tires, Clinic RC, Ignite Design RC, Stacked RC, Donovan RC, Racecraft USA. Shout out to the Florida RC Championships who dropped a big bomb, a uh, big news last night. I'll talk about that real quick. Uh, my boy Danny Pass at WRCE. Shout out to my boy Gene Stroud, who's on his way to the, be a mechanic at the Worlds for Hunter King. Check out SJ Racing for some uh, 
all your, your kit builds and all that type of stuff. House of RC, RCGP, and shout out to our drivers, David Ronafalk, Jared Tebow, Robert Batty, Alexander Hackbrack, and Maddie G. Good luck to Maddie G at the Worlds this weekend. Uh, if you guys wish to support the podcast a little bit more, you can by joining the Patreon or, or joining the YouTube membership. And you can also uh, go into our written description. We have links for all of the sponsors. Some have coupon codes, like Donald and RC has a coupon code. Uh, Invisible Speed has an affiliate link. Some of them have affiliate links. Use those affiliate links. It uh, helps us out a little bit. Uh, if you if there is no affiliate link or coupon code, just please put in the notes that you heard about this for the No Name RC Podcast. It really helps us out, and we appreciate it. Thank you to those companies for all of their support. All righty then. So quick shout-outs. Uh, shout-out to a lot of people having birthdays this past weekend uh, coming up already. Uh, shout-out to my boy, uh, Davey Bada. I see it's his birthday as well. Good luck to him at the World's. And uh, may he have uh, good luck to him. Uh, brr, what else? TZO spec tire race going on. I saw Gary at Gary's RC Racing. I saw he had a video, a live video of that last night uh, showing all of that. I saw um, Cody Thompson and my boy Sean dropped the, well, Sean was a guest. It was, I, I didn't watch it all, but they dropped the Pro Tentials. I actually like that name. The Pro Tentials podcast that they did. Keep up the good work. Uh, I encourage anybody to make podcasts and keep it up. Uh, it's, it is a grind, but you have to enjoy it. So shout out to those guys and the potentials and yeah, uh, shout out to everybody this weekend. Who's going out RC racing and having fun. I wish you guys all the best, be safe and, uh, be a great RC ambassador. Uh, with that said, we're going to get right into some high tech RC and invisible speed news. Uh, and, uh, obviously the invisible speed has that new, uh, if you sign up before October 1st, you can be uh, get a pre-order of the Invisible Speed 2.0 book. And uh, yeah, don't forget, High Tech RC, thank you for all the support. So don't forget, Invisible Speed, sign up before October 1st on the online course. If you buy the online course, you will get a pre-ordered book. You will be entered in the pre-order for the book 2.0, which is coming out later on this year. Uh, there are affiliate links in the written description of the podcast for that. Stop scrolling. You want to be Lewis Hamilton? Learn something new with Invisible Speed. You can't do everything at 100% maximum speed. You have to be smooth. I mean, when you drive a real car, if you drive a real car, how do you, do you just, when you get to a 90 degree corner to t- turn into the parking lot, do you go like that with the steering wheel? Do you like slam on the throttle and the brake? No, you probably turn the wheel smooth and get on the throttle smooth. Same thing with an RC car. If you want to learn more and make your speed visible, Stop scrolling. And also, thank you to High Tech RC for all of their continued support. Uh, High Tech RC is celebrating the 50th year of, of being in the RC industry. Uh, I got the new, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see all the High Tech guys here at the H2GP. They also came on as a sponsor of that. So I'll meet some of them guys there. They're going to have a booth. I'm going to pick up my new charger. Can't wait to start charging up my boat batteries with that. And a couple of servers that they have uh, that I'm going to be putting in some of my rides. As you guys see, I'm in, I'm in kind of mechanicing and doing some doing some wrenching here lately. Been wrenching on my crawlers. Been wrenching on my Techno MT410. Eventually, I'm going to get my Mayako finished as well. And i got a few other projects going on. So thank you to High Tech RC. If you guys want, you could go to High Tech RC, where to buy, slash where to buy.com. Or hightechrc.com slash where to buy and uh, find out where to buy your high tech products. Okay, so for, before we get into the run of folk breaking the internet news, we're going to talk about uh, last night we did a live. With, first off, also, I forgot to say thank you everybody who participated in the latest Ultimate uh, 
racing engine waffle or a hobby wing esc waffle we greatly appreciate that uh that sold out pretty fast we did the draw last night and congratulations to brendan hastings i think his name was who won that so thank you guys all for the support with the waffles to lance mcdonald for organizing all of that so lance had a big announcement with the florida rc championships obviously you guys know i'm very affiliated with them now working with lance and danny and patrick and gene and everybody involved in that uh they i will be good i i am scheduled to go to the next two races the last two races of this year but the big news is that he is actually well, there's a couple of news he's gonna have spec a spectar class for the rookie class next year in the eight scale but lance is going to start the one-tenth scale version of the florida rc championships uh as you guys have heard me say, Florida is booming right now with RC, kind of lacking on the 10 scale side. I mean, they have lots of 10 scale tracks, but no real series going on for them. Like they used to have like the Super Cup and all that type of stuff. So with the success of the Florida RC championships in 1-8 scale, races selling out in 30 minutes, uh, Lance is going to take that same uh, same platform, that same uh, model, that's the word, what's it, that same uh, model, sorry, with the Florida RC championship from 1-8 scale to 10 scale. And it's people are really excited about that. Uh, I, I think I might be coming to some of those events too. We'll see how it all works out. And I wish everybody in Florida and the Florida RC Championships with their 10 scale program, I wish them all the best because I think it's awesome. And I can't wait to see how it all works out. And I think this is going to be really good for 10 scale in Florida RC. I'm also hearing rumors of maybe a new track coming, uh, a completely indoor dirt track coming up near the Tampa area as well. So we'll know more about that as time goes by. But this is slated to start in 2024. The success of the Florida RC Championships. I've seen it for myself, went there, enjoyed it. Lance takes pulls out all the stops to make you probably one of the best series going. Capped, uh, likes to be done on time. Obviously, if weather is a fact that he can't do that, um, he has obviously has coverage, pictures. I'll, I'll be going there doing my stuff with it. Uh, as well as uh, VIP pits that people can take. And these races have been very successful. This series has been very successful. People take up, uh, really uh, really are into the points. So kudos to Lance and Hollis crew. Also, has some other news dropping here soon when uh, it gets all, all sorted out. I'm actually affiliated with that. Uh, so thank you, Lance. And uh, thank you to all the Florida RC community for all their support throughout the years in RC. Uh, as you guys know, we have the the Worlds going on this weekend. So the Worlds, I had Jared Tebow come on, and uh, we we went through like his first Worlds. We went and looked at video. We talked about he was telling. It was really a really a cool podcast. I wanted to get his. You know, he's he's been doing this for twenty three years. I thought it'd be cool to. He was the last person to actually win. Uh, he he won two wheel drive in twenty thirteen when the Worlds was last in USA, with all the hype that's coming up with the Worlds at the Hobby Action, I mean, I wish I was going and seeing everybody going there. I'm like, oh man, I wish I was going. So I had Tebow on. We sat off. We went from his first world, first 10-scale Worlds right up to the last one. And then I got his thoughts and opinions on the upcoming world. So it was a great chat. We have some video in there from it. He told us some cool stories about it and his thoughts on it uh, and how, how he, you know, what he remembers from those races. So thank you, Jared Tebow. Teebs for having that flashback with us. It was really a good, a good, a good chat with you. And uh, I appreciate it. So I hope you guys enjoy that. That is the main interview of this podcast. But obviously, with the news dropping this morning about David Ranafalk and Mayako splitting ways, I have to talk about that, right? So JQ and I recorded a podcast earlier this week. I didn't know about this until after the podcast. He told me after the podcast, so I haven't known for a few days. 
But unfortunately, the ride is over for Mayako and Ranafalk. After about two years, they, they, they came on, a, you know, roughly just a little bit shy of two years. And it's, it's a shame, right? I'm a little bit bummed. Obviously, Ranafalk has become a really good friend to me over the years. I like that guy. I love that guy a lot. I think he's one of the best, if not the best racers in the world. I was super pumped when he came to, to Mayako. Obviously, I don't work for Mayako, but obviously I'm affiliated with him because, you know, I used to be the JQ racing team manager and all that type of stuff. And JQ is my boy. And, you know, we do this podcast together and he's part of that and all that good stuff. So it's very difficult, right? It's like having two best friends right now who who kind of had a, a a breakup, right? Or or whatever. So uh, I did talk to David this morning, uh, you know, tell him, you know, he's still my boy. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, one love and all that type of stuff. I wish him all his best on his future endeavors. And I do. I wish him all his best. Uh, JQ, I've talked to. He explained to me how it went. I kind of know. I, I know both sides of the story. I know both sides of the story in this event. So I'm going to try and lay it out to you. A lot of people, the Internet's going crazy right now. I just want to address that. Uh, there's people out there that think these guys had some big blow up, blow out and all that type of stuff. No, it didn't happen like that. Uh, there's lots of people out there who are blaming Mayaka and saying it's shit and all that type of stuff. Well, I think you people have really, I, I don't pay much attention to that stuff because I think people have really short memories. The first year with David and Mayaka were absolutely great. Yes, he, he was, he was fast right off the bat. He got a fifth at DNC, one e-buggy, won the European championships last year at IBC, came second at the Worlds. He had a very good year in his first year of Mayaka. And his second year, let's be honest, we talked about it in the last podcast, has been horrible. He has not had the results this year. It started at DNC being in the D-Man and all that type of stuff. So the people out there that are blaming the car, really, you have to look at what really happened here. Uh, and I'm going to try and break it down how I think what happened. So basically, a lot of people uh, think that, like I said, think this was some big blow up. From what, I, from what I was told, I wasn't there in the meetings or whatever. They had a meeting this week after the Euros and... Basically, they came to an agreement that Mayako wasn't happy, David wasn't happy, and they decided to you know, release him from his contract, he, and he is going a separate way. He is going to find another chassis manufacturer. More on that, who I think he's going to go to in a bit. But So I guess we kind of have to start from the end of last year, coming off the Worlds, you know, such a great performance by Rana Falk, a great almost winning it. That would have been so awesome. And going into DNC, you know, being one of the favorite drivers to to win that race. So there's one big thing that David changed between uh, 2022 and 2003, and that was joining Matrix Tires, right? And I know people out there are going to say, well, Angaro done well with the tires, and no, he hasn't. He's, he's doing better. He's doing better than David is, but he hasn't been as dominant as he has been, and I think he would even admit that. Now, when you, so a lot of people think that tires ain't a big deal. Tires are a big deal. David went from being free or running whatever tire he wanted to being constricted to that one tire. Now, a lot of people thought this was going to be a deal like we see with the T-Pro guys where they can run whatever tires they want. But no, David stuck to his guns. I saw this at DNC when he was in the D-Man and he is still trying to make those tires work. And I'm just like, I really wish this guy would run other tires. Obviously, Matrix is new on the, on the off-road brand of tires. They have been doing on-road tires for quite some time. It takes a long time to get tires up to snuff and off-road. So many different compounds, tread patterns, so many different changing conditions and stuff like that. So it's a big difference, right? And they just haven't gotten that yet. It, it will happen, but they haven't gotten to it yet. So I kind of knew that after DNC, this was going to be a problem. You know, we see a lot of drivers that can go on other tires, 
but he didn't do that. He's not allowed to do that. So you have one, com- one company who's the tire brand, and then you have the other companies who suffer, who I feel, in my opinion, this is my opinion, I feel suffer from the tire choice, right? So we saw this continue on. Over, uh, we went to IBC. He was not on pace. We went, you know, as we go on, obviously he had a very poor performance at the Euros. Uh, we've seen him have poor, some poor performances at different tracks. Not poor, but that's not up to what we saw last year, right? Um, so his results have been mediocre this year. That is that is a fact. That is that is not an opinion. That is an absolute fact. Um, some will say car. Some will say tires. I think it's been a combination of the tires. I think it's been a combination of maybe not putting as much practice in as he did last year. I see Nangaro, he's been racing a lot, he's been practicing a lot, he's been going to a lot of races, so he's getting a little bit used to the tires. I don't know what the reason for that was with David. I don't know, but I definitely can say, in my opinion, I didn't see him practicing as much as he was last year. And I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. Not just JQ, I think a lot of other people in the the industry, I've heard it, and I've heard this from other people in the industry. Uh, old school guys who know what the who've been there, world champions and all this stuff is the message me and say, what's going on with David? Why isn't he practicing? I don't know what his reasons were for that. Maybe just enjoying life. I don't know. Um, but I think that was a big factor. Now, if you look at the end of the day, he is paid to get results, right? That's his job. He is paid. He was the paid driver to get results. And it's no different from your job. If you're not performing at your job, eventually your, your job performance is going to be called into question. So after talking to JQ about it, after talking to Rana Falk about it, like I've talked to Rana Falk, like he wasn't 100% happy with some of the things that was happening uh, with Mayako. And Mayako wasn't happy with what was going on with David. I think mainly the the tire choice and choosing to get on a tire and all that stuff because they hired him and he didn't have a tire brand. He didn't have a tire sponsor. No, David has every right to go make money and, and get a tire sponsor and all that type of stuff. Um, he has every right to do that. He is a prepared professional driver. This is his job. He needs to make money just like you and I need to make money. And he is one of the best drivers in the world. So he has every right to go out there and get a paycheck from a tire company. He didn't do that for many years. And, and I'm, and my was paying him good. That's from what I was told. That's from what I was told. I can't, this is all I'm told. But at somewhere at the point, I think, uh, I think the honeymoon was over. After after DNC, we saw that that bad result. Then IBC kind of was not a good result. A race that he won the Euros at previously the year before. Yeah, unfortunately, it looks like they had a meeting. So I, I know they had a meeting prior to us recording, me and JQ recording this past weekend. And I think they just came to agreement. They said, look, you're not happy. We're not happy. Uh, we're going to go our separate ways. Now, is it JQ's fault? Is it David's fault? I don't think so. I think it was a combination of both. I think it's like um, if if one one party's not happy and the other party's not happy, it doesn't really make sense trying to continue that. Think of it as being in a relationship. If you're not happy with your significant other and they're not happy with you and all of, and you're together and all you're doing is being miserable in the end, what's the best thing to do? Yes, it hurts, but you gotta kind of split up. And I think that's it. Just kind of what happened at the end. I don't think there was, well, I know there was no like arguments or anything like that. Mayako wasn't happy with his results. David wasn't happy with some things that were going on in Mayako. And I think they just ended up splitting. I don't, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened in the meeting. Um, I know a lot of people are saying JQ doesn't, JQ doesn't 
uh, he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that and all that type of stuff. Now, yeah, JQ has his faults. I'm sure he didn't listen to some things. Maybe David wanted to try some different things and JQ was hard-headed about that. And then maybe uh, JQ and Mayaki weren't happy about, oh, I know they weren't happy about his choice to, to sign tires and not being able to be flexible on tires. I look at it from both sides of the, the thing. I'm trying to be as neutral as possible because David's still my boy. Love him like life. And I wanted to do well. And obviously, Mayako and everybody wants, I want them to do well either. But if you ain't getting the results and that's what you're there for, right? And then if that, if the company isn't happy with, with your results and then you're not happy with the company, you might as well go your separate ways. So that's what happened this week. They decided to go their separate ways. There's no big drama behind it. I talked to Joseph. He seems kind of, he seems okay with it. It's like, well, now we'll go find another driver. We won't spend as much money. They save some money. David, I talked to David this morning. He's like, now I'm going to reset. Uh, I'm going to make some decisions about how I go forward, which I think he needs to, right? He needs to reset. He needs to uh, figure out what he needs to do to get faster. Not to get faster. He always has to, he, he has not forgotten how to drive. He knows how to drive. He needs to reset, really think about what he's going to do next. And move forward because I still believe that Dave Ronnefalk is one of the best drivers in the world, if not the best. And I I think he's going to make some decisions about what he's going to do chassis-wise and what he's going to do in his RC future uh, coming up here. And I'm sure we'll know who's what where he's going to go next and all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, that's what happened. There was no big kerfuffle. There was no big shouting match. It was just a decision between these two people. They decided to go a separate ways. That happens in life. This is life. This is business. This is how things go. If you're at your job, you're not happy at your job. Your performance starts lacking. Your job doesn't get isn't happy with your performance. Eventually, you you either agree to go or you leave. They fire you or whatever. But the best thing is a mutual agreement. Uh, I talked to JQ. He seems like yeah, I'm fine with 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 Ronald Falk. seems to be fine too. I'm sure it'd be very awkward at the next races. Uh, that they go to. But for me, I'm still cool with J. I'm still cool with JQ. I'm still cool with Runner Falk. And that's how I kind of want it to be. Uh, am I disappointed? Of course I'm disappointed because I wanted this to work. And it was such a great uh, first year. The sophomore year was not as great as we can tell. What happens with Mayako now? I mean, they have Robert. Tebow is supposed to be retiring at the end of this year. So I'm not sure what's going to happen there. They have Pecco, who's really fast. Uh, I know JQ... They want to get somebody in, in the USA, but I mean, or I don't know what they do. Do they go get a driver in the USA? Does does Tebow continue on racing select events or whatever? I don't know what happens with them. That's above my, I, I'm not affiliated with them. That's not my problem in that sense anymore. But I have to make some decisions what they're going to do. Uh, if I was Mayako, I would just focus on Robert and Pecco and probably try to find somebody eventually over there in America I would send Robert and Pecco over to America as much as possible to race. And I would focus on rebuilding over there and, and, and doing things and, st- and keeping this, this steady thing going there in Europe that they have going. Because they, they have a pretty good presence in Europe. Will the move of Ranafalk affect Mayako? Yes. I'm sure he will go. Hampus is going to go with him. I, I think a lot of people will probably go with Ranafalk. I think a lot of people will stay because Robert is also very influential and um, a lot of people that are in the Mayako group are diehard Mayako people, right? Uh, as for David, where does David go? So the rumors are, you know, you heard rumors coming out of Euros. You heard TLR, you heard X-Ray, S-Works, right? These are the 
these are the three companies that I keep hearing. So I thought I'd just break them down and think about it. TLR. I could see this be po- being possible because he has a great relationship with TLR. When he was over in uh, the UK, I'm sorry, when he was over in the USA for DNC, he ran the TLR Truggy. I know Tran and guys like him. Um, I know if he was deciding to do, if he was going to, going to do the Worlds this weekend, he was going to run TLR cars. That's a possibility. The only thing I don't see happening is there's no infrastructure for TLR in Europe, right? They, they used to be big in France and have drivers and they used to be pretty big in Europe, but they don't have that no more. We see TLR, Horizon, cutting down on their, their number of drivers, all that type of stuff. So they're kind of going in the opposite way of spending money on these drivers. They have Fend, who they spend money on and, and whatnot. And if he goes to TLR, he will not be, in my opinion, he will not be the top driver. Fend will always be the top driver. So TLR, maybe, maybe. I would say 60%. 60-40, that he goes. S-Works, hmm, S-Works just come off. S-Works, right now, Juan Carlos Canes is the top S-Works driver. He's the top racer in Europe and has probably surpassed, in my opinion, right now, Ongaro and Ronafalk on the, as the top, as the top one of the, like I always had Ong- Mayfield, Ongaro, Fend, uh, JCC, and... Ronafog as my top five. And that top five now, JCC has surpassed those guys. In my, not all of them, but he's like probably third top driver in my, in my opinion right now. So they have JCC. They have Boots, who just had a great weekend. They have a plethora of other S-Works drivers as well around Europe. They're doing pretty good in Europe. Over in America, they have Bornhorst, Heckert, Camden Lime, Brett B. Rose, and those guys. So they're pretty good on that side of things. They don't really need Ronafog, but they probably w- wouldn't him. But who, if they take Ronafalk, who goes? Like, they have the money. They have the money to do it, but it has to be fit into the budget as well. So, I don't know. SRX, I would say SRX, I'm more 40 60, 40% chance he goes there. 40% chance, 40%, 40% chance. All right. So, that brings up X ray. Now, this one kind of still shocks me, but this is the strongest rumor that I heard. I heard that it's X ray. Oh, I've heard this from multiple different people now, right? So I kind of just, just trying to think how this is all going to work, right? So he has X-Ray. They have the Earn Engine brand. They have on-road cars. We know he's affiliated with Automatics and running Automatics and all that type of stuff as well. Um, they have Coelho, who is the undisputed number one racer at, period. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, about that. Coelho is number one racer at X-Ray. They have Tessman, who, well, the fucking Tessman ain't on the best of terms ever since the HB times. You know, but Tessman's over in Europe. I mean, over in the USA. So, I don't know. Does X-Ray have the money to... Yeah, of course. I think X-Ray has the money to pay Ron Falk what he wants. Uh, but it's going to be a whole... I don't know how that whole system's going to work. Uh, with Coelho... Obviously, Coelho does multiple, multiple, multiple classes, right? His, obviously, his focus is on-road, but... Uh, it's going to... You know, I don't know. It's going to be hard to see. You know, obviously, his, he's also dedicated to... Adrian, we have Corsatec engines. And another thing about X-Ray that I've, we've known over the years is that X-Ray has always been a chassis manufacturer that if you ain't on the fastest tire, they will make you be on the fastest tire. We saw this happen in 2014 with uh, Martin Bayer when he had to, abrupt, I think it was either he either left AKA or Proline, one of the two. Can't remember, it's a long time ago. But he, at the Worlds, he had to announce that he left them because he was forced to run the tires that 
X-ray wanted to run. We saw in 2007, uh, 2017 or 16 at Neo Buggy. Had to be 17 with Tessman switching over to DJ Concept Stars. I'm pretty sure that X-ray had a lot to do with that. So we see X-ray kind of be forceful about tires and whatnot that they want their chassis drivers to win. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how that all works out. Now, I don't know. I, I, I asked David. He says, this is what David said to me. He goes, I'm going to take some time. I haven't made up any decision. I haven't made any decisions yet. I'm going to take some time. I'm going to reset, refocus, and do what I got to do. And I and so I have to respect that. But that's just my speculation. That's just some of the rumors and companies that I was thinking that he could go to. Um, I don't know what other companies he could go to. I know Kyosha has been thrown out there. We've seen Techno being thrown out there. Serpent even. Um, even Associated. But I just don't see... Associated doing it. They don't need him. They have Rifkin. They have Ongaro. Uh, I don't see Serpent having the money to do it. Techno, I don't see it either um, because they forked out a lot of money over to uh, Mayfield right now. And that's their bread and butter. They're paying a lot of, like, they're really focused on America. Uh, they have Baruffalo over in the Italy who, as well. So they're trying to build, I think they're steadily trying to build their European presence, but maybe Ronafalk is the key to that. But it's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, Kyosho, maybe. I mean, he he's won two European championships with Kyosho, so maybe. But I just don't see them having the money to do it either, right? And but there, I mean, Kyosho Europe has a pretty strong infrastructure, but Kyosho is owned by a bank now, so they're gonna make corporate decisions. Uh, so I don't know what's gonna happen with Ronafalk, but I do wish him all the best. Uh, obviously, I wish. I know right now the Mayako movement is a little bit upset. You know, a lot of guys upset about it, but that's that's how it goes, right? This is business. Uh, nothing's promised to nobody. Um, and you know, when these guys have contracts up, they can they have every right to go explore other options, right? And David, if he doesn't feel if he wasn't happy at Mayako and Mayako wasn't happy with him, then I think at the end of the day, this was the best decision. Um, you know, it's like any other job. If your job is results-based, you, you have to have good results, right? And if you don't put in, if if your job doesn't feel like you're getting the good results, they have an option to explore other options as well. If you feel your job, if you feel you ain't getting provided with everything you need to have the best options at your job, you have options to go check out other things as well. So I think the best, the best possible situation for me was to stay on and they could have, made things work but obviously that that wasn't that they they probably talked about that but that's not what they decided so in the end not an easy decision to make it sucks for Mayako I think more uh but now David is free to go on and do what he wants to do reset and get back on that horse I wish him all the best I wish Mayako all the best and this too shall pass. This is the start of silly season, 2023-2024. Once again, David Ronafalk sets it off. Uh, it will be interesting to see where he goes. And uh, I wish him all the luck. He's still one of our drivers, still a good friend of mine. And um, I wish Mayako all the luck as well, because obviously I'm affiliated with that. And all the people out there that are hating and talking about the car and all that type of stuff, I think you need to look at facts. Facts was, he was fast as fuck last year, right? This year, he wasn't. What was one of the big things he changed this year? It was tires. And I think that, for me, and my honest opinion, maybe not everybody agree with me, but I think that's when it started. When you, when you make that tire decision and you have to stick by that decision and all the other sponsors suffer, 
That's what happens because, and, and you know what? I am not alone in thinking that. I've talked to other people in the industry, higher ops, people who have lots of experience, and they all said the same thing. They said the car was good last year. How can he go from winning stuff last year to not doing well this year? It's got to be something, and it's got to be the tires. It might be other things too. I know he changed servers. I know he changed radio, all that type of stuff. But in my opinion, this goes to show how important tires are. And this is another reason why I want to see why I think it's important that we see at these races spec tires or or whatnot. So with that said, we're going to stop jibber-jabbering about the news. We've been on for this about 20 minutes. All the best to David Ronafalk. All the best to Mayako. And I hope um, to see... I'll see him. Obviously, I'll see him at the races. And I hope to see him doing well because I, I believe he's still one of the best racers in the world. And who knows what who Mayako is going to hire or if they're going to hire somebody. But uh, they have to. They also have to kind of reset and refocus and think about what they're going to do in the future. And I wish them all the best as well. Now, with that said, I think that's all I'm going to talk about that. We are going to get on to the main interview, a chat about the worlds with Jared Tebow. I want to thank Beach RC. Uh, sorry, I want to thank Techno RC for all their continued support as we bring in the the uh, a flashback or a look back at the 10 scale worlds through Jared Tebow. Techno RC. Techno RC is a championship winning manufacturer of high performance A scale, 10 scale, nitro, and electric RC buggies and trucks. With a worldwide dealer network, USA and Europe based headquarters, comprehensive warranty program, and global race support, Techno RC is excellence in RC. View the full lineup of Techno RC race proven vehicles by visiting www.technorc.com. Joining me in the virtual studio is a man who needs no introduction uh, to the RC racing world. I asked him if he would like to come on and uh, talk about the upcoming world championships that start, I believe, Saturday as we're recording this. Uh, he has won two of them himself, has, an has had an illustrious 10 scale career himself if you guys don't know who this gentleman is then you guys i've been sleeping under a rock when it comes to rc racing for the last 23 years uh welcome jared tebow teeps what's up man thanks for having me on yeah not too much how you doing uh, yeah we've uh 10 year world's coming to the u.s i'm not going so i know on that a little bit mixed on that but it's all good well the last time that the 10 scale worlds were in america you actually won them and at chico 2013 i was re we're gonna play that video in a bit i was re-watching that race and uh what a great track right off off off-road outdoors sugar i believe it was yeah yeah it was it was an awesome race crazy like the two-wheel portion was crazy with rain and then a uh, couple rounds of qualifying getting canceled and then not knowing if we we're going to run the mains and then kind of just how they prepped it. And, like, they kind of just made, like, asphalt almost uh, for the mains. We only ran the A's. And, yeah, it was really crazy that main day. And, yeah, I was able to win A1 and A2 just barely. I think I won both of them by like three or four tenths. So yeah. super tight racing. Yeah, and A1, Lee Martin raced you to the line. And then... Uh, Neil, Neil Drag. Oh, was it Neil? Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got their paint oh. schemes. I got their paint schemes com confused. And then in A2, Mayfield came from way back in the pack to uh, yeah. almost pip you at the line as well. And then I was thinking about this race and I was like, man, this guy just, you had another great nationals there this past week, uh, this year in uh, June there. 
And I was thinking about, about that. And obviously with this, the 10 year anniversary of the world's being in America, it's a lot of hype. Like I'm starting to see everybody start traveling, you know, making those posts on Facebook. You see other European guys and people from around the world coming. And I'm like wishing, I'm almost like, man, I want to be there. Um, but it's going to be at Hobby Action. We're looking forward to the coverage. And then, uh, with Maud, I think he's going to do a good job. He's got a great team. I saw some pictures of the track. I thought it was really cool was, um, they had photos of all the world champions. That was awesome. I thought that was really cool. We need to see more stuff like that. Yeah, that, I think, yeah, it looked like maybe it was a sticker that ran down the wall. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought, I thought that was really, really cool to have like every world champion on there. I thought was, was really neat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sure they're going to do a great job. Um, those guys at Hobby Action do a really good job, take a lot of pride in that place. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe I would go out there and, and just kind of watch and hang out and kind of take a different perspective on it. But then opportunity popped up where I could go to the, the Peach State uh, Classic Race. So I decided to do that instead. So I'm, I'm kind of mixed on it. I wish I, I wish I was going, but uh, maybe I'll hit a Worlds as a spectator different time in the future. Yeah, uh, I'll be at that race as well. We were just talking about that off camera. Georgia Peach State Classic is the following weekend. Uh, your last Worlds was then in 2018, then in China, right? Or did you go to China? It was Slovakia in 2019. Okay, so you did go in 2019. I wasn't sure. Okay, I wasn't sure. I should have probably researched yeah, I that. Both classes. <laughs> you what? I BQ'd both classes. Oh, okay. So it was a world you want to forget in a bit. <laughs> But very difficult race too. That was a very another uh the grip was very I remember watching those guys drive and it looked like they were driving on edge every time, like one false move and they would have just been yeah. off off that off was track. A similar feeling to how this world is gonna be, really, where like you kinda have grit, but it's slippery and like you just have to drive super accurate. So probably a like a different feel mm-hmm. because you're on slicks and it's completely different dirt, but it's probably kind of similar, I would imagine. Okay. We're going to touch on that, on this slick racing, the Europeans coming over to do that type of stuff. But I kind of wanted to touch on, you, you've had a, you've done this for 23 years. I, I went and did some digging uh, and your first world, uh, don't tell me I lost that. Your first 10 scale world was in 2003. It looks like yeah. her. It says at the Minareg RC Speedway. Is that correct? Is Wikipedia correct? They are. And uh, you finished tw- you finished twenty eighth and twenty fourth. Uh, where is Minreg anyway? Where was that track to? Florida. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Where they had like the um, the winter champs weren't there, but there was another race that used to be there, I think, quite a bit. Yeah, they held like the nationals. I think I went there maybe once for nationals. It was it was a cool track. Yeah, that was a tough world. Like we had crazy rain and Oh, was so this the worlds where you had to get like tractor trailer to the track? What was that? Was this the race where I remember one race where it was like the whole road was flooded out? And you had to, people were getting like semi, like they had a semi truck with a, a flatbed on the back, taking people to the track. I think that did happen at that track, but not for okay. Worlds, not that event. Might have been yeah, a Nationals like or something. Kind of before my time, I had heard that 
yeah, there was like crazy flooding and you, yeah, you took like a flatbed trailer to get to the track because the road was closed or something. Okay. All right. And then that, that was 2003 world championship that, that, uh, in 2003. Beg your pardon. I, I missed that. Cavallari won four wheel that year. That was his first world championship. Oh yeah. He was 16. Really? Wow. That must've been something. That must have been a big deal back then because the young guys weren't really winning back then. For the win, I remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Cavaliers had an illustrious world championship uh, 10 scale career as well. And still, out of of you three guys that that started, he's still like the one that's doing it hardcore the most, I would say. Out of you, Mayfield and Jared. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we move on. We go to 2005 where it's in the AF model ring. This is in Italy. You had a five and two wheel drive and a 15 in 2005. So much better, uh, much better for you that year. Uh, then of course you go on to 2007, which we have some video of this, uh, from the Hakasan, Hakasan arena in Japan. And I, I was talking to you about this. This is very old footage people. So don't. I know it's going to be pixelated and all that type of stuff. So uh, we're going to have a look at it. This was some, wow, look at this, like up in the mountains. Yeah, this track was so rad. It was uh, at a ski resort. So it was like summertime there. But uh, yeah, at a ski resort, really, really cool track. Just like such an epic layout. Um yeah, really cool event. Like they ran the track, just you know, flip flopped uh, different directions for the different classes, which I think is really cool. It's hard to do that, I think, uh, these days with just the way the tracks are built. Um, but yeah, it was it was such an awesome race. We had crazy weather and two wheel drive. Practice was like in serious mud like torrential downpour mud like water everywhere on the track and it was it was really cool yeah look at this triple that's this this track looked like it got like rough and loamy almost like old school no, wow, it, it didn't really get rough at all it was smooth like mm-hmm. hard pack kind of surface um yeah it didn't get rough like none of the jumps got messed up uh, it just had some really cool sections yeah four-wheel drive I would say it probably flowed better where we could do more of the jumps. Like you could jump that triple and there was like another kind of jump on the track, cool mogul section, two wheel drive. It was kind of like, felt like we were driving the track backwards, but the track was still pretty cool. I thought in two wheel, it was really technical. Yeah. And you won your first world tour. You won four wheel drive. What was going through your head when you, when you, when you won this race here? Yeah, I mean, I had a great – I almost won two-wheel also. I got second, and two-wheel was so close to winning. I just needed to win the last main. and um, But I came from, like, seventh or eighth on the grid. And, um, yeah, four-wheel was just – was awesome. I, I came to the race totally under the radar, but put a lot of – a lot of work in before. Felt really ready. I was a debut race for the new associated four-wheel. And, um, yeah, I TQ'd. I don't know. I think we ran six rounds. I TQ'd five out of the six. Uh, would have TQ'd all six, but I had a pinion come off in one of the qualifiers. And then, yeah, led led every lap of A1 and A2. And, um, yeah, probably my best 
my best driving I've ever done in RC. I don't think I think a Marshall touched my car uh, from practice one till A two. Oh really? And yeah, probably my best drive ever that I've had. Who won? Uh, who won two wheel drive? Um, Let's see. I should have it here. Hold uh, on. Japanese driver for hot bodies. Hayato uh, Mats. Hayato yeah, Matsusaki. Yeah. Matsusaki. Yeah. Matsusaki. It says her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. He was running the associated as well. Yeah, he ran like a version of the associated car. His dad, I think, worked for Hot Bodies, and so they had a couple different things on it. Um, but yeah, I believe he might have DQ'd too. Oh, really? So you said you put in a lot of preparation uh, for this race. Was at this time was you more focused on the eight scale, uh, ten scale, gas or nitro world? Was you put what type of preparation and work was you putting in uh, for the two for this type of racing? Um, I mean, throughout my career, I never really focused more on one or the other. Um, you know, before any worlds, I just put a lot of preparation in. So this was a new car and. So, like me, Kevin Mayfield, all went to California and did some testing at Pegasus, actually, which was like kind of the only tensile outdoor track we could drive on. And then I had a really good track um, in Novelty, Missouri, which was like an outdoor track. They raced 10 scale and 8 scale, so it was perfect. It was a little bit bigger for 10 scale, but it was outdoor and yeah, I went there for a few days and just drove tons and tons of laps. And I had the spec tires. So there was a Panther tire. Really? And, uh, yeah. Yep. Because Masami had some deal with Panther at that time. And so, yeah, it was Panther tires. And yeah, I just put a bunch of time in, you know, just drove a whole bunch. And that was kind of always my preparation was like not necessarily tons of testing, um, just cause I didn't want to get like lost on my setup. So I d- would just do like a normal kind of base setting and something that I was comfortable with. And then I would just drive a lot and you know, drive like a lot, a lot, uh, just so that I was really comfortable with my cars. So yeah, that's, that's what I did. Panther. Wow. We're bringing up some memories there. Panther. I wonder what two wheel drive tire that was. That's a long time ago. A long time ago. I have, I have a car, actually. I oh, yeah? I have my car right here. Oh, wow. Straight on. It's, uh... Oh, they don't actually have a name. <laughs> look, I don't know if you can kind of see it, but... Oh, those look like the Ocelots or something like that. They were called. And then the front kind of looks like a taper pin. Yeah, yeah. Panther's still making tires, dude. Yeah, I know. I see that every once in a while. Uh, apparently, yeah. Apparently, they they where the real money comes from. They make all like the rubber reflective reflective things you see in the road. Apparently. Oh really? Yeah, that's where like the mainstay of making money and all that type of stuff. All right, so congratulations! You get that monkey off your back. You win your first world championship. Almost win the two wheel drive. Which I would say, would you say that the two-wheel drive is a little, a slightly bit more coveted, coveted, sorry, uh, in the in the um, ten-scale world, worlds? 
I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Okay. I mean, there were certain times like, you know, when only Losi and like Yokomo had four wheel drives and, you know, maybe it was a little more focused on two wheel drive, but I, I wouldn't say that, you know, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would say, especially nowadays, two wheel and four wheel would be the exact same. Okay. Yeah. I, I would count that even like in, in 07. I mean, I was so stoked to win it and that was the second class. So I feel like sometimes the second class feels more important. I mean, I, I don't know, not more important, but it's like it lasts better. Like if you win two wheel drive or if you win the first one and then you have a bad event, the second one, it kind of like, you know, <laughs> your high gets Cut pretty short. <laughs> well, you're you're still a world champion. They can't take that from you. And a stacked field back yeah. when when ten scale was ten like really I, like that was what two thousand and seven. That was right before I would say kind of that was still you were still using brushed motors and stuff at that time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was um, yeah brushed motors, um, yeah like nickel metal batteries, <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah, it was not like it was now. That's for sure, man. Today people are. Yeah. People are, people are spoiled. Red RC up now. This are considered to be uh, by many one of the best worlds ever put on at Vasa in Finland. Uh, yeah. uh, another outdoor type of track, big jumps. Uh, Your Newman was really fast at this race too. Uh, made some serious mistakes. What did look at that? I mean, that's that looks video quality a lot better. By the way, uh, tell us a little bit about Vasa and what you remember from this race. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> my my memory is just heartbreak. There, I was so close to sweeping both classes. Um, I ended up finishing third in both. Which, if you don't know what happened, you would be like, "Oh, how do you think you're close to winning both if you finish third? But uh, just such a good event. I, I would say that was. Yeah, one of the best 10 scale worlds that I attended as far as just uh, the organization, just the club there, like how serious they kind of just take motorsports in that country. And and the track was epic. The yeah. track was so much fun. Like, look at the just the spectators. Like, you know, there were so many people there watching. Is that um, you in third right there? I can't tell. No. Yeah. 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 I. I mean, I finished second in A1 and A2, uh, you know, less than half a second behind Cavalieri in both those mains. So um, I led I led in all three mains in four-wheel. Like, I think the second four-wheel, I really felt like I should have won. I got a stop-and-go penalty or drive-through penalty for hitting Lee Martin when – he kind of made a mistake in front of me and I didn't have anywhere to go and hit him, And that kind of took my chances away. But um, yeah, actually the camera cut out there, but you do like that mogul section, that pitcher's mound and you do that little angled jump. And I think I crashed there in a one and a two while leading. Um, Yorn really should have won. He, he was leading a one and a two. Yeah, see right there. Oh wow! I did that. I did that in in uh, both mains, which kind of ruined my race. But even right there, like me and Cavalieri tangled 
so me and him kind of went through the pack together. Uh, and yeah, that, that was just, you know, nowadays they build tracks so easy to where the racing's so lame. <laughs> like you can see in that race. Lead changes. Yeah. Yeah. Lead changes. Like when you make tracks so easy that no one crashes, the racing's terrible. And, you know, uh, a lot of people build tracks now like, oh, if you want good racing, you have to see right there. I had my stop and go. Ah, uh, okay. I wonder what happened. Really cost me because I was in second and then Yorn's car stops. So, uh, but anyways, back what I was saying, you know, they make the track so easy now in 10 scale and 8 scale, in my opinion, to where there's no crashing. So there's no passing mm. and you have to make the tracks tough where there's opportunity to crash because that's how passes are made. Um, and it just puts more pressure on you. You know, if the section's really hard and, you know, you have all that pressure and, you know, who can kind of handle it better, I think it's really cool. But yeah, that, that race was awesome. And then in two wheel, I won the first main super easy and just really thought I was just going to win the second main and be done. And, Second main, I had some crashes and finished maybe fourth. And then the third main, I just had an unfortunate tangle with another car early on and broke and ended up breaking. So I got third with like a first and a fourth or something like that. There's your one. He's out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So then that battle there, us three turned into the battle for the lead. One thing I like about this track is the concrete carving. Uh, I know it affected you right there, but coming through that chicane, like you see the cars going up on the concrete curbing, yeah. it looks, uh, I think this is something uh, very overlooked in tracks in eight scale. It's good to see it. You know, I, we don't see this much anymore, man. I love concrete curbing on these. I mean, look at you guys. Look at this when you come through there. Like, it's like you see guys hitting it like Formula oh, One, yeah. you know, love it. Yeah. Oh, the track was so epic. Yeah, this is towards the end. Like, this might be the last lap. Like, Cav messed up. And, I mean, I literally finished right behind him in both mains. And, uh... Oh, man. Yeah. Big send it triples. Oh, this is yeah, this really was a good track. I mean, that was such a good track. Yeah. It's a... Yeah. I got mixed reviews on tracks in the U.S. And I love oh. curving, like... You know, when you have tracks with piping, you know, you can't, you can't even like race, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause you might get caught up in the pipe, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you get stuck in a pipe, it's, yeah, it's kind of silly in my opinion. I agree with you. Even if they just put like a, a eye on, especially the pipes when they bend that pipe and it's like that, you know, like that thin pipe and they bend it like that. If you kind of brush it, sometimes it'll suck you in and you just get turned and you get stuck on it for like brushing the pipe. But, yeah, you know, in so many motorsports, like you ride the curb, you go over the curb, like that's how you mm -hmm. drive the track differently and do different apexes. And so you have to just cut it so close to the pipes. And if you touch it, you're kind of ruined. So it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I think that's com that comes from especially in the USA because the, this, the, the track, track changes so much, right? Everybody wants a track layout, a new track layout and whatnot. But I am, I love the concrete carbon. I, I agree with you 100%. It just makes for better racing. You can 
Uh, you can go for that inside line a little bit more, shoot that gap. You can use that carbon to your advantage, but it can also, like we saw there, it can also uh, come up and bite you, which it did for you in that yeah. in those first couple of laps as well. So definitely, we need to get more concrete curbing at tracks. That's something we need going on. Hopefully, people pay attention. Oh. <laughs> All right, so a little bit of disappointment. I think that was what Cavallari's, uh, ooh, he, he, that was his third and first, what, four world championships, I think? Let's third see. and fourth. Yeah, yeah, third and fourth. So that was his third and fourth. Uh, that's like when, you know, I would say that was when he was at his peak, right? Intense scale. He was pudge. He was doing all that. He was, he was flying. Yeah. Uh, you know, that pudge lock saying was going on. He, he was a little chunkier. Um, and he was on top of the world when it came to 10 scale racing as well, which also kind of led to a very, he also had a very good form in eight scale as well going forward from there. Uh, had a string of good wins in America, neo wins, stuff like that as well. Uh, all right. So coming up to your, where your two wheel driver, Chico, also considered to be one of the best world championships, uh, that we've seen. Uh, tell us a little bit about this going into this race, uh, into Chico. Uh, you, I know you said it rained a little bit, but another yeah, awesome yeah. offer a track. That was an interesting world, uh, because that was the first world where we had mid motor cars. Um, really? I, I kind of pulled a sneaky move at the Cactus Classic and uh, I had two cars and I did like all my practice with my rear motor car, but I had plans to race my mid motor. And so like my very last practice, I just threw my mid motor down and then qualified and raced with mid motor and won the Cactus Classic, which I think I broke like a 20 year win streak for associate or something like that in two wheel drive. Really? And so then that kind of everybody decided, cause I think just there was only like three of us maybe in the main um, that had mid motor cars at the cactus. So then everyone started running mid motor cars and we did the nationals at Chico and it actually went really bad for me. I got 10th. Um, really struggled at the world's warm up. I struggled in two wheel. I just like couldn't get comfortable with my car. So, you know, kind of like I said, I, I take, you know, a lot of pride in my world's preparation. So I ended up going to NorCal Hobbies for like an AKA race, which the same track builder built the tracks there and it was sugared. And so I did some testing and I found that I liked running a different front tire. So two wheel drives all open front tire and they were Proline rears. Most people just ran the Proline front. I ran the AKA rib front and it just gave me like more confident feel. So I kind of kept that secret, knew I had that kind of, you know, in my bag of tricks, I would say. And I went to that same novelty track in Missouri to do my testing, and they actually let me sugar it. I remember you telling so this I story. Like, yeah, I bought like 500 or 800 pounds of sugar at Sam's Club, which they thought I was crazy. And uh, yeah, I went there and like sugared the track and practiced for a couple of days. And yeah, I went there super confident and practiced all of the practices with the Proline front. And then for the last practice, I threw the AKA fronts on and went really fast and just felt more comfortable. And I kind of chose to do that so that 
everyone else would be scared to try it, mm-hmm. you know, because they'd have to do it for a qualifier. Um, so it's kind of sneaky and, you know, kind of cool to, you know, uh, have some strategy like that. Are you playing mind games yeah. with people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's strategy in yeah. racing and, you know, I, I do a lot of preparation behind the scenes. And so it's cool when you can kind of do something like that and it works out. And, and then, yeah, uh, I think I, I TQ'd like two out of the three rounds and then it ended up raining. So, um, they canceled two rounds, I believe. And then we weren't really sure what was going to happen for the mains. Like it was like crazy rain. Like Mm. water was, there was lakes on the, on the track. So they pumped the track, they got all the water off and then they started sugaring it when it was still wet. And then they rented these huge blow torches. So they, they like burnt the whole track and it, it turned into like almost asphalt. It was so hard. Really? And then uh, they only ran the A main. So they didn't run any lower mains for two of drive. And so, like, we waited all day to run, and then we were going to have two practices and then run the three mains, and the track was way different feeling. So we ran the first practice, and it was crazy high grip. Like, I remember crashing a hundred times, just traction rolling, flipping everywhere. I was like, man, this is a disaster. Like, I need to, like, you know, calm down, like, reel my emotions back in. So then we were going up the driver's stand for practice number two. And as we were going up the stand, they announced over the PA that this was actually going to be a main number one, that there was weather coming that night and they weren't sure if we were going to get all the mains in. So they decided that it was going to be a one. So that was really, really stressful. And this is a one, the video. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> I wasn't the fastest guy. But I felt like I drove the race the smartest and was able to, like, handle my emotions. And, you know, my car wasn't the best. And um, the track was just super hard to drive. And, like, if you pushed over the limit, you could crash. And, you know, starting first, you kind of have everything to lose. And, yeah, I was really proud of that. Sorry. Uh, Of uh, just both those mains, like. I got caught and got reeled in in A1 and A2 and just, like, you know, just barely kept it together. Like, you know, I drove really close to the edge, and, like, you can see I almost landed on that pipe a couple times and drove defensive lines to where I knew I couldn't get past and, you know, just didn't make any mistakes. And, uh, yeah, that's um, Neil Craig, and, yeah, he he – reeled me in and almost, you know, almost got me. I think this is maybe the last lap, yeah. Yeah, last corner. And he kind of bumped me. And then, yeah, A2 was similar with Mayfield. Um, and I think A2, I actually lose the lead. I like tracks are all one corner. Cav passes me. He does. I was watching it last he night. Crashes. He crashes again, like right away. And I take the lead and um, yeah. Awesome. And, that race was really cool for Kyosho because uh, Chikuba was the engineer and he was such an awesome guy. I really enjoyed working with him and just a really nice, um, you know, open engineer and was just open to my feedback. 
and he took over the lead engineer uh, design work in after 1987, which was the last time Kyosho won a, I think a 10 scale Worlds. Maybe it was their two wheel drive. I, I think it was their last 10 scale Worlds that they won. And then, um, you know, he went from 87 all the way till 2013 with never winning a world championship with the car he designed. Oh, really? And then, yeah, yep. And then he designed that car, and I was able to win for them, which was really special for me. So Ooh, that wow. was pretty cool. So that's awesome. Uh, I, so if you guys want to check this out, it's on Red RC. They have the best videos. Uh, I did watch A2. Uh, Mayfield did an amazing job coming through the pack, and he he did almost get you there at the very line. Uh, and something that reiterated to me was the um, again what amount of preparation that you put in to win this race, going to a track, buying your own sugar, doing all that testing, uh, trying different tires. You knew that would work. We don't really see that anymore because uh, ten a lot's changed over the last ten years. There's a lot more races going on. <clears throat> These guys are. Oh, there's schedules. I mean, people don't talk about it either. Like I wasn't advertising that I was going to the track. I think, I think people are still doing that. Mm, it's okay. just, uh, you know, um, people aren't advertising it. Even even in social media, like the next world's, you know, the one that was on turf, um, that was probably the most. Pre- preparation i ever did for a race really and i had social media stuff but i wasn't posting that i was doing 50 battery packs a week and actually more than that probably uh, yeah i was probably doing like 80 battery packs a week for about a month leading up to that race where did you practice for that uh there was a carpet track that was down in um Bolivar, Missouri, and uh, I reached out to them, and they actually uh, gave me a key to the building. So I would go there twice a week, and I had a friend that would help me go marshal for me and stuff. And like, we would change the track layout, move the jumps and stuff around so that I could practice on different tracks. And uh, yeah, I, I got uh, you know, Kyosho bought me a bunch of tires. Um, you know, so I had the spec tires and stuff. And, yeah, I would run about 20 battery packs uh, per class per day. And I was going twice a week for a month. You know what, Tebow? I don't think people are doing all that nowadays. I mean, you may know better than me. But I think with these guys' schedule that they have of so many races, even it's a big difference seven yeah, years ago. People probably aren't doing that. Like, that's pretty extreme. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um. You know, like someone like Bruno, he would be a good person to talk to about preparation because, like, he does the worlds in so many different classes. And, like, he always does his preparation a couple weeks before where I bet you would be surprised how many battery packs and stuff he runs before worlds. Yeah, I would. I I could see that because you also run so many different disciplines, right? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, And that's what, you know, like, I would just commit, like, the month before, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was doing that all the time. Um, you know, I would do that with eight scale too, you know, like I would normally only drive those classes for the month leading up. So maybe nowadays it's a little harder to do, but, uh, you know, that was just kind of, you know, 
what I did at uh, certain times. All right. Uh, that I mean, but that's what it takes, right? I mean, that paid off for you. You got a, I mean, you got a second in two wheel drive in uh, at your top. We're gonna go, we're gonna put that up in a minute. But I wanted to touch on this because this is Hartson, Stephen Hartson, who probably will go down as one of the lesser known world champ, American world champions we've had because uh, this was a great race that he won. I think he was battling with Nayato to win this. I think in A three, yeah. and. Um, he won this, and unfortunately, like a couple years later after this, I think he just kind of got out of RC. There's, there's this car right there, that white and maroon looking car right there. Yeah, is that Tessman behind him? Yeah, that's Tessman. I think Tessman. I don't remember who TQ'd, but yeah, like all front runners just crashed a bunch. Yeah, Hartson won from eighth, and I think Nayato got second from ninth wow. on the grid, and. That was just a thing where, you know, on the on the high grip, four-wheel is so much harder to drive than two-wheel, um, especially then. Like, the cars just weren't very good on the sugar. So, uh, it just came down to, like, it was really difficult to drive under pressure. Uh, you can see Tessman going on two wheels yeah. everywhere, wheeling in and stuff. And that was just something where Hartson literally had nothing to lose. Um, and he was a really skilled driver. It just seemed like he could never really put it together. And that year, you know, he put it together and, um, yeah, that's, you know, there's definitely, you know, I mean, in 10 skill, I would say, yeah, Hartson's probably the most, you know, maybe unknown world champion, but eight skill, it happened a lot. Yeah. Um, where people that never won any other real races won. I mean, it happened a lot in a Yeah. If you look back at some of the winners, like Guilherman Ray and, um, who won 2004. I mean, I mean, he never really like won other races, never really battled in any other ones. Um, yeah. Guilherman Ray for sure. Uh, never really battled in other ones. Um, the guys that almost won them are still more famous, like a Yannick Iguan and stuff. You know, he won a couple races, but it wasn't like Degani was winning a bunch of races. Right. And then won a Worlds. And, you know, even Cody, I mean, he was a good driver, Cody King, but he never won another race. Mm-hmm. You know, he only won one race in his whole racing career and just so happened to be a Worlds. Yeah. All right. So. But that's so true. You go look at the list of world champions in eight scale. It's so varied, right? Um, yeah. The, the guys that stand out to me are guys like Tessman, uh, Pavidis, who was, you know, world champion in multiple classes. Uh, Hara, uh, of course, Davide. Still, yeah, Davide, first uh, first back-to-back. And, uh, of course, Ranafalk as well, who's won uh, champions, European championships and stuff like that. But if you go back, like Willem and Ray, like, and he was not the favorite. Like, it was Yannick Igon and Jeremy Quartz and guys like you yeah. who were the, the hot guys at that time. And like, who's Willem and Ray? Like, he won this, like, some guy from France. But that's how, that's racing, right? That's, that's, that's probably why I still believe it would be great to have a World Series championship for, to crown a champion, uh, to eliminate that type of stuff. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a conversation for another, that's a rant for another com- another day. So 2015 at Yatabi Arena, 
Now, this was a very interesting track because everybody thought it was going to be, because this used to be a dirt track. I believe it was a dirt track that had Astro on top of it. So it was very yeah, similar. This, this was where their carpet track was. Okay. Yeah, this never had dirt on it. Okay, so people thought that it was going to, was it, what might, might have been confused because I was still kind of just coming back into RC at this time. But was it that people thought yeah, that it was? We all, we all knew what it was going to be. It was okay. just the first worlds on something other than dirt. And like, you know, in the US at that time, there was like no carpet racing whatsoever. So, you know, none of us had raced on anything other than dirt in the US, you know. Well, this is AstroTarf, though, right? Correct. What was After it? what? This is Astro. Yeah, yeah, this is Astro. Yeah, not not carpet. That's Astro. Right. So this is, is way different than carpet. Yeah, can you explain that a little bit to people who may not know the difference who who through Astro I, and I don't the car? I have a bunch of experience on either one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've only raced on AstroTurf one time, and I've never actually done a big race on carpet. But just from kind of my testing and stuff, the turf is thicker so you like it's not that you slide but it's i don't know it has like a it's it has like a sandy feel almost to where like your car wiggles around and moves some but it's it has a lot of traction at the same time and it grooves in so like the track layout it it folds over so when you, if you got offline, then mm-hmm. it was like your car really bogged down and you would just crash. Mm. It, it was all stood up, you know? Got you. I got what you mean. It's like going out into the loam, like yeah, thick loam. I, I love that. I love that race. That track, the race was so fun. Like, I put so much work in, kind of designed, like, my own car with some help of, um, you know, actually some guys at Red RC, which... I can't say I designed my own car. That's that's kind of false. But they had a layout designed um, to run like two-wheel drive front end, four-wheel drive rear end. And it was a super cool design that I really wanted to run because I didn't feel like our the Kyosho two-wheel just didn't quite have some of the options that the associated two-wheel had. So I thought that was my best opportunity. And... Um, and yeah, my car was so good, and yeah, it was a bummer. I I'm still like so bummed I didn't win that one. Well, you, you know, it's crazy. You look back, like I TQ'd, and I think I TQ'd every round of qualifying, and then uh, I won the first main, and then just a couple little bobbles, like in A two, I was leading, and thought I was gonna win no problem, and like. I caught a dot and wheelied and like flew off the track. And then an A3 kind of same thing was leading was like really felt in control. You know, Rifkin was really challenging me, but I feel like I had it in control and I crashed off that tabletop jump right there. Um, oh, wow. And, uh, unfortunate. So yeah, I mean, and yeah, it's crazy to like look back at races and, you know, I'm super grateful to win two world championships, but if just a couple things would have fallen a little bit different, you know, I feel like I could have five or six world championships pretty easily. Um, Do you remember them vividly? Do you, can you recall these races? Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, for sure. Yeah. Some of them, you know, 
uh, yeah, you definitely have some sleepless nights. You know, this one, I wouldn't say I had a bunch of sleepless nights afterwards. I still really wished that I won, but, um, you know, the one world that comes back to haunt me is definitely 2010 and 8 scale. Uh, I actually, I didn't sleep for four days after that world. <laughs> really? This is kind of crazy. That was in Thailand. That was, yeah, that's the one that Cody yeah, King like won. Four days. I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And yeah, like I, I couldn't sleep and I stayed up for four straight days. And then we had our daughter and I was like, I was so just delusional and tired and crazy. It was nuts. But I guess that's the passion that's needed, right? To do these type of yeah. things. So when people, yeah, t- yeah we're not out there racing toy cars you know like that's we put everything into it you know yeah especially when you're at i think a lot of people when you're at your level this is your job this is your livelihood as well right and you yeah. want to perform at a high level and i, I want to reiterate like the money you know it's past like the job or the money like you have to you have to commit everything to try to win it and you're so i would say the people that are actually fighting for the wins and putting the effort in are so emotionally uh, connected to it. You know, that's, that's the hard part. It's no different from any other athlete in any other sport, in my opinion. Yeah. That's why um, I like to use, I use soccer references like Ronaldo and Messi and these guys are the best in the world. You guys are the best in the world at what you do. The, the amount of dedication and passion needed to be at that level is the same amount of passion, dedication, and sacrifice that those guys do to be the best in their, their genre of sport. I would say the only thing that they, they do is it's physical. So they have to put in more, they have to put in a lot of physical work and whatnot like that. With you guys, it's the mental game. Yes, physical where you have to be able to have your hands and all eyes and all that stuff working good too. But a lot of mental games that you have to mental, uh, mental, Oh, what's it? Fortitude that you have to have to be there and sacrifice and whatnot. Yeah. All right. Uh, and also, I want to reiterate that this at this time, I know right now, carpet and Astro, maybe not Astro so much, is a a growing and growing in America. But at this time, I remember everybody was upset that it was going to be on carpet or Astro, and people, you know, were talking about it uh, because the the over in Europe, this is kind of normal. Excuse me, Astro carpet yeah. racing. So it was normal for them. I mean, that's a funny thing with RC. I mean, people inside the actual industry that are actually doing the races aren't uh, weren't upset about it. I mean, mm-hmm. I I was all up for the challenge. I thought it was awesome. Um, I think most all the drivers were up for the challenge and thought it was really cool. You know, well, it worked out almost for you, almost for you. But this also shuffled in the era of Spencer Rifkin, fifteen years old. Uh, Connor was his debut. Also, Coelho, I think, was kind of introduced to the off-road world as well at this race. Uh, and it's funny yeah. that we'd see them four years later do the exact same thing uh, with Rifkin finishing yeah. second, uh, finishing first in two-wheel drive and Coelho winning, winning four-wheel drive. Uh, but another, this kind of, also I would say this is, if we look at Chico with the, the mid-motor cars and all that type of stuff, I would say this is when we, this is probably the last time that we're, we ever are going to see a world's outdoor for 10 scale. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure it can happen again. That's where you made that mistake right there. I think 
Yeah, that's where Rivkin got by you. Um, yeah, but we. I was hit jump on the brakes, and that was that's kind of been a downfall of mine. Just at certain times, and yeah, I hit the jump too much on my brakes, mm-hmm. and then you know, just kind of makes you jump nose high. Yeah, yeah. that was such a bummer. Uh, unfortunate, but we saw this. Yeah, I, haven't, I haven't watched that video probably. Years. Oh wow! No, no. Am I jogging memories? Oh no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, it's not that fun to watch. Oh, let's let's get it off there then. <laughs> um. All right. So we go. We also see the change in the shift, right? We 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 saw Chico was outdoors, high grip. Uh, the mid motor cars starts just started to make their way into it. You know, obviously Kyosho had one, uh, but now at this race, it's like B five AMs. Everything's mid motor. There's no more rear motor cars. I think everybody's running. Might, might have been some people running rear motor. I'm, I'm not sure. I wasn't there. But this is when we see that shift. I would say in that time period where ten scale shifts from being an outdoor type of a- event to all indoors. You know, and now I, I mean it's very hard pressed to find ten scale outdoors nowadays. Yes, there's some regional areas that do it. Uh, we see two different types of cars now: dirt and carpet. We, uh, actually, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not, because then we went right to China, right? And it was outdoors. And it was like on an eight-scale track, a huge, huge track. Let's bring that up so people can say. I, mean, I know I wasn't going to go through all of these, but there's some people out there that may not even know all this stuff, right? So I always like to talk about this uh, and so people can see it. So we got to 2000. Did you? So tell us a little bit about China and, th- and that track. What was that? Tell us a little bit about uh, the race in China. Yeah, that was an awesome track, I thought. Kind of crazy tires. Mm-hmm. We really weren't sure like if it was going to be loose or not, um, just based off the tire choice. And it actually, the track had a lot of traction. It wasn't like loose at all. Mm. Um, track was huge. Jumps were built super bad. So that was like <laughs> the hardest part was just the jumps were terrible. And you had weather too, right? As well. I don't remember there being weather, but it was an awesome race. Uh, man, I, I was, I thought I was going to be able to win two wheel drive. I knew four wheel was going to be a struggle. Like our four wheel wasn't that good at that time. And, um, but yeah, I screwed up in qualifying. I had a chance to kind of. I just kind of kept screwing up, and then, uh, yeah, like I just saw, I think I qualified eighth, and I tied to finish third, uh, which was going to be cool because I, I love two-wheel drive. Two-wheel drive was my favorite class, like over eight scale. Two-wheel drive, 10 scale has always been my favorite class to drive. And I finished on the podium from 2007 all the way until this one in 2017. So I had a 10-year run of finishing on the podium in two-wheel drive, which I thought was cool. And then I was so close. I tied uh, for third, but ended up finishing fourth to Lee Martin. But, uh, yeah, the the track was so awesome. um, The whole event was good. I thought they did a good job. And, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Mayfield just drove really well. It it was was weird because – Mayfield's always been like a risky driver. And then for at this race, he just kind of committed to like not taking risks. Like mm-hmm. he kind of committed to not doing one of those doubles, um, like the middle one. And 
most people were jumping all of them. And yeah, the one guy that just stuck to like not doing it from the beginning ended up winning. And you can see it is a little loose, like we're sliding around, but it wasn't what I meant was like, it wasn't loose dirt. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it was packed down dirt. And so, you know, we all still ran like lay down transmissions. You know, when mid motor came out, we had stand up mid motor transmissions mm. and then we ended up going to lay down and, uh, this is a huge yeah, track. That's kind of how the cars are now. This is a big track. But Mayf- oh, yeah. huge track and like the pipes were so not forgiving. So like we were kind of talking about, you know, if that track had curbing and stuff, it would have been so cool. But yeah, but Mayf- there was that double there that yeah. a lot of people weren't I mean, some people were. You could kind of see it there, like Cav didn't jump it, Lee Martin did jump it. So yeah, that track was awesome. It was super fun. Really, yeah, really challenging track. And uh, Mayfield finally gets his world championship, right? Been trying to get it for a long time. He finally gets it. Her, uh, you ended up fourth, and then sixteenth in in. Wow, he was in the B in the B for for four wheel drive. Yeah. And then I think wasn't it was it this year that you or was it the following year that you go out and you win really right? Yeah, it was twenty eight. It was twenty nineteen. Okay. Okay, but I would would you so you got out there? You, this was uh, the first race you haven't like in the B man for four wheel drive. Are you starting to think? All right, my is is are you at this point starting to think maybe I'm gonna um, kind of back down from ten scale a little bit and focus more and no, okay. I never had plans to not race ten scale. Okay, all right. That was never in my plans at all. Okay, um, you know, it, even like when I signed on with Techno, it was like. I tried making it very clear that I'm racing 10 scale, you know, and that was the plan. And like, we won re-race. I went to all the races, went to the worlds. And then in 2020, it was the same plan was like, I'm going to do all the 10 scale races, but then we did the really race. And, uh, I actually was like in the hunt to win again. And then just my two wheel drive side didn't go that well. And then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. And basically, all the eight scale races opened up first, mm. and then that was when Techno basically was like, you know, you have to just go to all the eight scale races. So then I wasn't going to ten scale, and then you know, Techno decided not to make a two wheel, and then they kind of pulled the plug on me of paying for my travel to go, and their four wheel wasn't very good either. And they needed a lot of work on their four wheel, and me and kind of the design crew didn't agree on what they needed to do with four wheel. And so we were just kind of, it just didn't Mm -hmm. make any sense to race 10 scale anymore. And, and then, uh, you know, and then into this year, obviously with like my and stuff, you know, they don't make 10 scale. So, uh, yeah, it was never in my plan to not race 10 scale. I I love 10 scale. Okay. All right. yeah, it just, it just kind of happened. It, it was never planned. Okay, I wasn't too sure about this. Uh, and then I just, because we, we talked about it, this was the 2019 10 Scale Worlds at, in Slovakia at the X-Ray Arena, uh, which Bruno Coelho came. He won in four-wheel drive. And Ongaro, was it Ongaro? And, uh, and Rivkin had a great battle in two-wheel drive, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, that was another really good Worlds. Um, I have to give uh, the X-Ray guys and your eye a lot of credit. Like, they took a lot of flack. and They did. Yeah, I would say X-Ray, some of the flack they do take, I'll say is justified a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they took so much flack for this race. And, like, they did such an amazing job. Um, the facility was really awesome. They were really like welcoming to everybody and they did an excellent job at that world. Uh, yeah. The track was really cool. I thought the track was super fun to drive, you know? Yeah. Maybe Bruno had an advantage, but I mean, I don't know. It, you know, the amount of practice we get there and, the tough thing of like when you practice out of facility like that and then the worlds, it's always a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So I would say, I don't know. I, I love that world. It was, it was awesome. You know, I wish I would have uh, did better. I think I could have podium two wheel had I stuck to my game plan and I kind of got off my game plan, followed Rifkin a little bit and ended up just kind of losing out. And, like, I think I needed a TQ the last round of qualifying to make the main. Mm-hmm. And I got second or something like that. Like, barely. Like, I almost TQ'd. And I ended up BQ. And in the B, I think I had the second or fastest. The second or third fastest uh, A main time. And so I definitely, you know, I wish I could take that event back. Um, four wheel was just kind of a struggle. Like our car just never turned. The techno car never turned. We always had too much caster and they 3d printed me some caster blocks that had less caster, but they were super fragile and mm. I kept breaking them. So that was kind of my problem. I ended up having to run the stock caster blocks kind of in racing and just had no steering. Unfortunate. So, Unfortunate. Great yeah. banquet too after. I remember looking oh, at the pictures. The I mean, the whole event yeah. was literally epic. The place is so beautiful. They have, like, good food there. They offered shop tours, which um, I did, and I thought it was incredible. Um, they set up, like, a really cool uh, castle tour, which I also did. Nice. And I thought they did an excellent job. Yeah, I hope. I hope that people, you know, told them how good of a job they did. I know I told them. Yeah, they should be really proud of that world. It looked good. It looked good on Facebook. Bucket list. I'd love to get her one day to a race and uh, yeah. and check it out. So, uh, obviously, due to COVID and nothing going on, uh, we're now, I guess, this is 2019, so we're scheduled to have a 2021 Worlds. That didn't happen. No. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're on 20 or 2013. It's back in America. It's at hobby action. There's a lot of hype about it. Uh, my European friends have been asking about so much stuff. Is it going to be sauce? Is it going to be slicks? This, all this stuff. Obviously it's going to be AKA clay slicks, uh, a surface that these European drivers have not driven on quite often. It is a, it's also a surface that I would say that is starting to go the way of the dinosaur. It's, it's, it's starting to get less. You're starting to see less and less dirt tracks now. Um, carpet is definitely taking over, which I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, uh, 
Carpet is definitely a, a future thing for RC semi permanent tracks. Uh, give us a little bit of thoughts on uh, the probably who you think will be good at this race. Who you, do you think any Europeans will be able to be in contention with this being such a different surface as well? Yeah, I mean, as far as who I think is going to win, I think you have to say Rifkin is, you know, the favorite going in. Like, that's his home track. He mm-hmm. was there a lot. Um, you know, he did good at the Desert Classic, at uh, the World's Warm-Up, um, which I thought was really strange that Finn wasn't at the World's Warm-Up. So you have to put Finn as a favorite, just – it's crazy to think like how many races he's won and he doesn't have a world championship, mm-hmm. but kind of like how Mayfield was like that puts an added pressure too. And Finn is kind of like in a weird place right now where like, he's not as dominant as he was say a year ago, but he can still win race. Like he has still been winning some races, but it's kind of like been mixed a little bit. Um, so that's, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to say. And then, you know, I, for me personally, I think Aiden Horn is going to be really in the front to win. Um, at the world's warm up, I would say Aiden was the fastest driver in both classes. I think if he was a little mentally stronger, he could have easily won both, like especially four wheel, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Brock, I think has a chance you know, he's doing really good. It feels like on dirt, he's kind of got the Schumacher cars where he's more comfortable now. I think for the Europeans, it's going to be really difficult. Me too. Uh, you know, Orlowski's a great driver. Um, you know, he's doing a bunch of different disciplines, which I think is actually good. You know, you just, you learn a lot of different skills, uh, you know, I'll say just from me racing one eight skill, I thought it would make me a better one eight skill driver, and I don't think it has at all. I think racing multiple, you know, I would say my driving is worse now just racing eight skill versus racing, you know, both. So I think even him doing touring car and stuff like that is is a good thing. Um, you know, Bruno is a good driver, but it seems like the X ray cars aren't working very well on that condition. And it's, it's weird. It's not your typical, like, to say that Americans have an advantage because it's on slicks, I think isn't accurate either because when we race on slicks in the U.S., we saw some. Mm-hmm. And the track has a bunch of grip. I would say the advantage for the Americans is they've raced at that track, which mm. it's an amazing facility, but the dirt is terrible. Okay. Um, you know, probably my least favorite track I've ever raced at would be Hobby Action. Uh, you know, no no disrespect at all to them, just the way that it feels, um, you know, facility-wise, like all the guys there, um, they're awesome, you know, and they've done their best that they can. It's just the dirt is just not that good. I've heard that before. It, it just has a really weird feel. Um, even when we were saucing, like it would be the highest grip and the lowest grip that you've ever felt before. And it would be combined and it would literally be in the same corner. Like you weren't sure if your car was going to flip off the track or spin out. 
Interesting. <laughs> it's just a really odd feel. So I think the flipping over is gone now without, you know, when you're not saucing. But the cars are definitely looser, and it feels, I think it just feels weird. Um, and I think, you know, in in Europe, like, on turf and on carpet and even their dirt tracks, like, the grip is more consistent. Okay. And uh, that's just the thing. I think this year the grip is super consistent with the slicks and just on that track and with no sauce. So it's going to be interesting as far as, like, are new tires good? Do you run older tires? And just, like, that whole game plan and how drivers uh, strategically handle their tires and stuff like that will be interesting. Yeah, I'm very interested to see two drivers at this track, Angaru and uh, Chase Lemieux. Yeah, I didn't even know he was going. Yeah, uh, Chase Lemieux, Paul Lemieux's uh, son, who was really good at the warm-up. Yeah. And yeah. he's he was good at the Nationals here recently. And it's going to be interesting to see what he does as well. Uh, as a young gun, a dark horse. <clears throat> and I, I too, kind of I think. I think the grip with yeah. the X-ray cars is just going to be a challenge there. Okay. But hopefully they have it. Hopefully they can, you know, they made some changes or something and have something for it. Yeah. All right. Well, as, a, as now kind of a retired from 10 scale and whatnot, what do you think about the the – carpet racing coming into America um, and whatnot. Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think that's a way to grow our hobby, our sport side of things, having more maybe semi-permanent tracks like how they have it over in Europe? We see a lot of these dirt tracks closing now. It's a lot of upkeep, right? It's a lot of upkeep. You need a lot of racers to do it. What are your thoughts on 10 scale and carpet racing in America at this moment? Um. If I was going to open an indoor track, if I was going to open an RC track in general, it would be indoor carpet for mm-hmm. sure, like 100%. Um, so I, I think it's great. I think still in the U.S., the tracks haven't done as good a job as they could. Um, you know, dirt indoor, you just, there's a whole bunch of negatives. Like mm-hmm. negative number one is... I think leasing the building is difficult. Uh, you have mold, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to ruin the building. So I think that's just like hurdle number one. Hurdle number two is it smells terrible. You have tire sauce. There's no way around tire sauce. Right. Indoor dirt, no way around tire sauce. So right there is a big red flag for families, for newcomers for spectators like all of that you kind of hurt um you know like my indoor track local indoor track it's just like it's so dirty and nasty and moldy in there and you know like people get sick and it's just it's just not healthy it's just not like a fun environment like um so on that side carpet is just cleaner It's so much more inviting Um, and you can change the track so easily. Like Mm -hmm. I think carpet tracks need to change some things like to bring mod back. Like me, I think stock is stupid. (laughs) I know you're not a pink pinion fan. I like it now. The way that, yeah, but it's way too fast. Like Mm -hmm. you got to get rid of 13.5. You got to get rid of 17.5. Make 21.5 stock. 
and have it be slow. Like stock is so fast now mm-hmm. that people, there's no reason to run mod. In I agree. my opinion, that's just such a bummer because mod is so much more work and it used to be stock was so slow that it wasn't that fun. So mm-hmm. once you learned how to drive and you wanted to have more fun driving, you moved to mod and then you learned how to use your throttle, how to use your brakes, how to set up your car. Like in stock setup is completely worthless. It doesn't matter. And they don't have any throttle control. Like you just stab the throttle. Uh, you don't really have to use the brakes. Like you, you learn so many bad driving habits, racing stock for so long that it just, in my opinion, it just hurts everybody involved and the cost is super high. So, you know, uh, I think Tensco racing is dying some just for that fact that mm-hmm. mod racing is completely gone. Like you can't club race really anywhere and club race mod, which blows my mind. Um, stock racing is so expensive to compete, which deters people. Like I will never go club race stock ever. And, you know, so I have no desire to even have a 10 scale car because I can't even go to my local track and race mod. And uh, I think, too, like if you want to do mod and you want to do that, you know, say if you have a carpet track, you have mod night and you just move the jumps. Mm-hmm. And you make it so that stock can't do the jumps. And, you know, that's like an incentive. Um, but you can change the track so easily and you can do so many cool things with like, you know, quarter pipes and just over unders and bridges. And just like, you can do so many cool things with the carpet track that I think still in the U S we aren't utilizing, you know, you see some tracks in Europe and you're like, Whoa, that track looks like it's a video game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and It looks awesome. And then you see some carpet tracks in the U S where, you know, there's no jumps and there's no like creativity. And, you know, so I think there's still a lot of room for improvement there. Um, you know, I don't know, like I am not going to a bunch of carpet tracks, you know, in the future, I would love to race Tensco again. And I would love to, you know, kind of jump back in and race more carpet. Like I've never done a big carpet race ever. So I think that would be something fun. You know, I, I still, I love 110 scale still. I don't, I don't love driving it, how it's current condition is. Mm-hmm. Um, even on dirt, you know, like the traction got so high and we figured out how to run the ride height so high and how to be able to get so much corner speed but the cars jumped really bad. And, and to be honest, they're not that fun to drive Mm. because you're just hanging on for dear life, but you can go crazy fast. So, you know, I think two wheel or just 10 scale has just gone in a weird direction to where it's just, they're not fun. And, uh, it's not super like inviting to new people. Um, I'll jump back and say dirt indoor tracks, it's so complicated. You see a good guy at a dirt indoor track and he looks like he's driving on Velcro. And then you get some guy that goes to the hobby shop, doesn't really know, buys a car, 
you know, buys brand new tires, maybe even their slicks or whatever, but doesn't know what to do. And he goes out there and he's doing donuts and he's like, man, this isn't any fun. Mm-hmm. And it's so much effort to have really good grip on indoor dirt that it's just discouraging. to people. Oh, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Uh, you carpet know, have have mentality of like, really putting a lot of effort into being able to learn a new hobby, which some people are into that. And some people are just gonna go buy a jet ski and go to the lake on Saturday. I agree with you. I agree with you. We're not even touched on the hill, sending on tire, brand new tires to have ghost pins and all that stuff. Uh, And also I think what you're going to see is the semi-permanent tracks. Like we see, of an EK in a school hall, set it up there, uh, leave the stuff there. That is really club racing. In my yeah. opinion, that is what's going to help grow our, our hobby, you know, that type of stuff. And, um, I 100% agree with you on the, the dart thing. I know there's a lot of dart purists out there and they love it. And, and trust me, I'm going to Masters of Dart here next month and I'll enjoy that, but I will also enjoy carpet championship. And as a racer, yeah. I would. Dirt's- but it's like tire companies aren't making tires that can run on real dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cars aren't designed to run on like an outdoor dirt track. So mm-hmm. it's. I, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Uh, yeah, I, would I go back to 2011 and run a rear motor two wheel? I would do that in a heartbeat. And I think RC would be way better. One ten scale RC would be in a much better place if we were, if we had 2011 cars today. And tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, well, I thank you for your time. I wanted to ask you one more question before we left, and this is non-10 scale. It was good to go over and get some of your memories from your, your past world, so I do appreciate that. Uh, you recently went up to the HRCR race. Uh, facility, beautiful facility. The Iders have put a lot of money into that beautiful track. Yeah. Um, give us give us your thoughts on that race real quick. I wanted to show them some love because uh, you was fast, you TQ, little bump got you in the main. Um, yeah. But uh, good facility, great facility. Tell us a little bit about your trip up there. Oh, it was it was awesome, man. Brian's a cool guy, and um, you know he's definitely uh, has the passion for RC right now, and I, I really hope it it stays, you know, we've had a couple people pop in and out of the industry that have passion and have, you know, uh, finances to be Mm -hmm. able to do something like that. And, um, you know, it's really cool to see like the Pacific Northwest is an awesome place. They have racers. And I think, you know, anytime a place like that can pop up, it's only good for the industry. And the track was really, really cool. Uh, the race was awesome, you know, had a good amount of people. I did a driving clinic, which was awesome. Uh, really happy to do that again. And we had 26 people sign up and most of them, you know, said they had one of their best ever race weekends. So that was really encouraging and really fun. And my family got to go, which was really special. Um, you know, it was special for me mm-hmm. and just to get to have them at the track and, yeah, it was it was funny because my kids were really rooting on Fee. They got to play with him some, and really, them, and they thought he was they thought he was cool. And oh yeah, Cole was like, "Oh, Fee beat you! That was awesome!" So they were totally cheering him on. <laughs> 
which uh, was fun. And, you know, like I'm at a stage where I don't, you know, winning that race or losing isn't going to change my life at all. Yeah. What did you uh, say at the nationals? I don't need it on national. I have 17 of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I want to win. Yes. And, but it was, it was fun. Like we had a really good race, really clean race. Mm-hmm. You know, Fee, he's obviously young and he used to be pretty aggressive. And, uh, you know, I, I, I personally love that family. Um, you know, I help Fee. Uh, he's a JTP sponsored driver. You know, we talk, me and his dad talk and, you know, I try to help them when I can and give them advice and stuff. And so, um, you know, it was, it was cool to just battle with them. And he put two epic passes on me and, you know, uh, he passed me in the same spot both times. And, you know, he, he definitely had more speed in the main. I was happy. I drove better than him. I thought I drove a really good main, but just didn't have the overall speed that I needed to win. And, um, yeah, that's kind of irrelevant, but uh, it was it was a really fun event. Everyone seemed happy. You know, RC right now, like with social media, people want to share their opinions and people have so many opinions on so many different things. And it's a bummer, just the negativity that goes around sometimes. But that race, I thought, was super positive. I didn't hear one bad thing about the race. That's good. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. The, the Pac- I, hope to, I hope to make it back up there next year. Yeah, the Pacific Northwest is is a great region of, of racing, right? I've been following it for a few years. They have a, a championship tour. Obviously, jo- uh, Justin Wildy is doing his thing up there at the Work Series as yeah. well. And that facility is absolutely beautiful. The Eiders have put in a lot of money, a lot of time, the on-road track, in the shop, all that type of stuff. And they have been racing. I mean, like, right after that, they're down to Mexico racing you know yeah. so it's like oh, that race looked awesome. it did right? didn't it didn't it oh and uh i want to go next year so that looks like and, a track uh, you would like too. that that yeah, old school yeah, I, that's the kind of stuff like i want to do in the future is mm-hmm. like do different races like that you know even like international races like stuff that i haven't ever been able to go do like i would love to go to a mexican national that would be epic it looked like a party and that old school. Oh, the, the track looks so yes. sick. Was I actually raced in Mexico once? Uh, Joey did a race in Mexico, and it, it was completely different circumstances. It was like at this resort. He must have been like a drug lord or something. <laughs> but the track was literally sand. Like we were raking the track smooth with like the plastic rakes, like, like golf rakes. No know? way. So when I watched that track, it brought back memories of that race. And dude, that track looks so awesome. Yeah. If they have a race at that track again next year, if one of you guys from Ensenada is watching, I want to go. I don't. I, I want to go too. It looked like a party. I want to go next year. It looked like it looked like a party, and and I hope that uh, I know Brian wants to go to nationals, and I hope that he gets it, and I know he wants to. If if the worlds are going to be in America in twenty five. Uh, I think it is. Uh, I hope he gets it because his facility is beautiful. It's 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 a lot of work, a lot of passion put into that. It'd be twenty six, but is it? Tw- no. Oh yeah, yeah. It, that's right. The world's a next year. That's come on, Keenan. Come on, Lefty. I keep forgetting that I, I'm getting the ten scale worlds confused. So we'll see how it goes. And um, yeah, man. Uh, I look forward to seeing you at Peach State. You're going to be doing another clinic there as well. 
Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it there. It's a nice facility. It's going to be a little cold. So bring your hoodie and all that type of stuff. Uh, Yeah, well, cold for me. You know, like when it's 50 degrees at night, that's cold for me. 55. Uh, I'm I'm doing a trip, so I'm I'm adding a few extra days. I'm bringing my bike, and I'm sleeping in my van a few different spots. It is beautiful up there, too. It is beautiful up in those mountains. You, I think you're going to find what you're looking for up there. All right, Tebow. Well, I appreciate your time. It was great reminiscing with the about the world with you. Thank you for all that you've done. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend. And I will see you next weekend, dude. All right. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate being on here. And, uh, yeah, thanks, everyone, for watching, supporting the industry. And hit up JTP. Yeah. Yep, go JTP. I busted out. I busted out the old retro. I like shirt that here, repping both my my world's wins, which is pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, I like see, that. See you next week, man. Safe travels. Good luck to everybody who's going to the worlds. Wish I was going to watch you guys, but I'll be watching online. So good luck. Go get after it out there. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Sweet man, I appreciate your time and thank you. BeachRC.com, the racer's one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So fill up your cart and check out at BeachRC.com today. Thank you to BeachRC and Brent and everybody there for their continued support. Uh, the RC program was awesome. Looking forward. I think I'll be at Masters of Dirt. Not sure. Still haven't been confirmed. And of course, I think I'll be at the fall roll at the end of the year. Oh, end of November, uh, beginning of December. If you guys can, we have an affiliate link in this podcast. You can use that. That can help us out. We greatly appreciate that. So I just wanted to touch on the worlds real quick. Uh, the worlds is coming up. It's awesome. Um, I've been talking to people like making our picks. I'm looking at everybody that is uh, going to the worlds and everybody's excited and I, and it gets me excited. Right. And I just wanted to touch on just because I think a lot of people try to downplay the world championships and they shouldn't because it is a big deal. It's the one time that we really get to see these drivers come together and race each other. You know, we don't have that too much. Right. So it's always good to see that. And uh, to see it in America for the first time in 10 years, because the last time was 2013 in Chico to see it there, see it at a place like hobby action, which is awesome. And see all the preparations that they made, you know, seeing that whole wall with all the past winners and stuff. I think it's so awesome. And I think it's such a big deal. I see uh, Matt Olson. He's assembled a great team to do the coverage. So I'm really, I'm going to be trying to sneak and watch that coverage while I'm working myself. So this is a really big deal. I think we should pay attention to it. I still think it's Spencer Rifkin's race to lose. I think Dakota Fan will be his biggest challenger. I think Brock Champlin will be fast. Uh, Tebow said he thinks Aiden Horn's going to be good. It's going to be interesting. See, I, I don't know which Europeans are going to be do well. I, something tells me Ongaro will do well. Uh, I think you'll see Arlowski do well because these guys are, are just really good. Uh, Coelho as well. I think Chase Bellamue is my dark horse going into this. But I think it's it's great. You know, the World Championships make a lot of excitement. It's great for RC. I wish we had a series to determine a champion, but we don't. But this is the next best thing. 
Uh, I hope you guys do pay attention. I don't know, who, you know, in the comments, tell me who your top three is going to be in four wheel drive and two wheel drive. In four wheel drive, I have Rivkin, Bend, Angaro. In two wheel drive, I have Rivkin, Champlin, Bend. Yeah, I don't have any. I have no Europeans in two wheel drive. I could be wrong. I could. Be, I could be completely wrong. Rip Ongaro could be fast. Coelho could be wrong. But I just think with this surface, it's going to be very difficult for the Europeans. But at the end of the day, the cream rises to the top, and uh, that will happen as well. I could be completely wrong. It could be completely dominated by Europeans, or it could completely be dominated by Dakota fan or Spencer Rifkin. But I look forward to watching it. I hope you guys uh, do watch it as well. Share it as much as possible because this is the. Uh, this is the upper echelons of our hobby. It's a 10-scale world. It hasn't been in America since 2013. The last time they had a world was 2019 in Slovakia, and it is a big deal, everybody. Everybody that's in attendance, have fun. I look forward to seeing everybody's individual content that's coming from there. And uh, I just want you guys to soak it all in, enjoy it. I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of wishing, I really am wishing I was, I was there now. But I will make this one. Uh, after going to my first Worlds last year, it is a race that, if you're an RC enthusiast, a 10 scales your thing, or 8 scales your thing, or on-road your thing, the world is a race that you want to attend at least once in your life. Uh, don't let people downplay it. It is important. Good luck to everybody. Good luck to the organizations. And uh, may everybody have fun. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, that's going to conclude our podcast this week. Thank you, T-Bay, for all that time. Uh, I want to say thank you to David Ronafalk for all the support of the podcast, as well as Mayako. I wish both of you the best as well going into the future. Uh, thank you to everybody out there that supports the podcast. If you're racing this weekend, have fun. If you're going up to Gary's race, tell him I said what's up. Uh, I wish everybody the best up there at the TZO Team Shuffle. I'll be out of here going to the H2GP. You can check my content out on there. That's going to be interesting. And then, of course, I'll see everybody in the Southeast at the Georgia, Georgia Pete State Classic next weekend up there in Tyga, Georgia. I look forward to being up there with you guys and uh, doing some commentating, talking RC. Uh, thank you, everybody, for the continued support. We can't do this; cannot do this without you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please share, hit that like, sub, notification button, dislike button on 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 YouTube. We're trying to get up to five thousand, five thousand subs by the end of the year. We're up at forty three hundred and a, some change right now. So help us out. Uh, hit that notification button if you are listening to us on a. <clears throat> an audio only platform, please uh, uh, leave a review hit, uh, and share. And don't forget to share. With that said, I'd like to say thank you to all of the NNRC squad around the world. We can't do it without you guys. Shout out to the patrons and YouTube members of this podcast. You can, if you wish to support this podcast, you can. There's links in the written description of this podcast to do that. And thank you to these awesome companies that support us. They are Invisible Speed, Mayako, High Tech RC, Sidewinder Fuel, Hot Race Tires, Techno RC, Beach RC, Lugs Racing Tires, Sun Pedal USA, Clinic RC, Racecraft USA, Ignite Design RC, Stacked RC. Uh, shout out to WR, uh, Donovan RC as well. Don't forget to them, new sponsor. WRCE, we do RC Media, Florida RC Championships. Big, exciting news about that. Shout out to House of RC, RCGP, David Ronafalk, our drivers, David Ronafalk, Alexander Hagberg, Robert Badier, uh, Jared Tebow, and Maddie G. Good luck, Maddie G. And that said, Nitro is the glory. E-Buggy pays the bills. 10 scale paying the bills this week. And building those skills. Lefty is out.
As soon as I find out, I'll trade. 